Father, thank you for a brand new day to be here on this day, July 31st, 2022. It is a day of victory because those of us who are in the land of the living are still here. So that in and of itself is a day of victory. Now, thank you, Lord, that you'll speak through my mind and through my heart and use me as you see fit to deliver your word to those who are listening or will listen to this uh, podcast episode in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you again for tuning in. This is Dale of Gospel of Repentance Ministries podcast. And one of the things that I often ponder is the idea of God operating in this earth realm and the choices that we make as as humans how does God operate how does he fulfill his will through what we do because there is a there's an interplay between God's sovereign will and man's free will as as well and So what I want to talk about briefly in this episode is the idea of if it is the will of God, how can man be culpable for his sin? If it is the will of God, how can man be held responsible, in other words, for what he does? So if if God is the is behind the scenes he's invisible but he's very very present in the earth realm how can man be held responsible if it's the will of God so I want to try to unpack those two ideas in the next few minutes so let me tackle a couple of scripture references that amplifies what it is that I'm trying to convey. All right. So the first thing I want to say or passage I want to use is in Isaiah chapter 46, I believe it is. And it's in verses, I believe it's nine and 10. He says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. All right. That's from the prophet Isaiah in the 46th chapter around the 10th should be the 10th and 11th verse so what that simply tells me is that God is in control of everything that ever happens God has already written out history from beginning to end you follow what I'm saying so when he started he finished at the same time and the and the reason why God can do that at the same time is because God unlike us He is not bound by time and space. Now, when he operates in the earth realm, then he dips into time. But 
God himself is not bound by time. Time is a physical property that we are bound to, but God himself is not bound to. Hopefully uh, that makes sense. So, so we're talking about the will of God and the culpability or the responsibility of man. How does that work? How do they engage one another, these two concepts? And so let's look at Let's look at Genesis chapter 50. And to give you the the backdrop of the story of Genesis chapter 50, Jacob or Israel, after whom the country is named, he dies in Egypt. He's an old he he dies an old man, 147 years old. You can check the account out for yourself. And so if you know the story of Joseph and his older half brothers, they hated him. They wanted him dead because he had these dreams. And in his dreams, in the, in the dreams that he had, he had two of them. One, in both of the dreams, he saw his brothers bowing down to him and serving him. And they despised him for his dreams. They nicknamed him the dreamer. And of course, that was a negative description of, of Joseph and not a positive one. And so it's kind of give you a, a better backdrop. For it. Let me go over to Genesis, I believe it's the 37th chapter that talks about Joseph and his dreams. So I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 37 and let's look at verse 5, all right? Start there, Joseph and his dreams. It says, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers. Let's start with. Let's start with verse five. Start with verse five. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. Verse 8, and his brothers told, said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowed down to me. Now the eleven stars represents his eleven brothers. Ten of them which were older than him and one which was younger than him and that was Benjamin so he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him what is this dream that you have dreamed shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you and his brothers envied him but his father kept the matter in mind so they already hated him because his father Joseph, uh, Jacob favored him over them and the reason why he did that is because Joseph was the son of the wife that Jacob loved the most, which was Rachel. And so he was favored. He was preferred over his older brothers. So they had conspired that they would kill him. But the oldest brother, Reuben, said, don't do that. And so what they did is they sold him to 
some uh, some Midianites, and then they sold him to a man in Egypt by the name of Potiphar. Long story short, Joseph is accused of rape by Potiphar's wife because he wouldn't sleep with her. He's thrown in prison, and he interprets the dreams of a baker and a butler, and eventually he interprets the dream of Pharaoh, king of Egypt himself, and that elevates Joseph to a prime minister of Egypt. He becomes the second in command in all of Egypt. Only Pharaoh was greater than Joseph, but Pharaoh had the sense enough to bring Joseph as part of his of his, of, of his administration and made him his right-hand man because he knew that the Spirit of God was with Joseph because of the, his ability to interpret dreams. Anyway, eventually... The brothers do come to Joseph years later because there's a famine in all the world and they have to go buy grain and the breadbasket of the earth during that time was the land of Egypt and the person who could make sure that they lived and not died was Joseph himself who is the one that dispersed the grain to anybody that came to want to buy it. All right, so they did bow down to him years later but they just didn't recognize who he was because they figured he was dead. Anyway, once their father, Israel, dies, they figure that now that our father's dead, Joseph is going to want to take revenge on us for all the evil that we did to him when we were younger. And so Joseph spoke to them in, in Genesis chapter 50, and this is what he said to them. Listen to this very carefully. carefully. He said, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? Listen to this. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and for your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, let me back up for a second. All right. Listen to what Joseph said. Do not be afraid for am I in the place of God, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So this is how this works. God is the one ultimately that sent Joseph to Egypt so that he could be a savior for many people. A savior, obviously, in a in the material sense, not in the not in the not in the ultimate sense like Jesus Christ, but in a sense, he's a type of Christ in that he saved his family from extinction. All right. So, so God had good intentions, as he mentioned, to send Joseph to Egypt. It's just that God allowed, he, he did it through the wickedness of Joseph's older brothers by selling him to some strangers and then ultimately he was sold to a man by the, by the name of Potiphar in Egypt as a slave so their intentions on doing what they did was because they hated him and they did it for envy however God had behind the scenes had orchestrated what he was going to do for good and God did it through the evil that his older brothers perpetrated against him so you understand how there's that interplay now between the sovereignty of God 
and the sovereignty, if you would, of man. God operates in the earth through what we do, good and bad. All right. So that is. So God gets the glory and Joseph's brother, Joseph's brothers get the blame. What they did, they did for evil. So they they're rightly punished. So if someone was to ask the question, OK, if what I'm doing, even if it's evil, was the will of God, how can I be made responsible because of the intent of the person's heart? You follow what I'm saying? So their intentions were purely evil. Let's let's look at another example. I'm going to go to a New Testament example. So we're going to go to Acts chapter two, verse twenty three. All right. Acts, the second chapter. This is the birth of the church, by the way. And this is Peter speaking to the Jewish crowd on the day of Pentecost. So we go to Acts chapter two. We're going to go to verse number twenty three. All right. This is what he said. And what I'm going to do is start at verse 22 instead. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Listen to this very, very carefully. All right. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Excuse me. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. For you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. So Peter is borrowing or quoting from Psalm 16. David prophesied about Christ's death and resurrection a thousand years before the actual event happened. All right. So Peter in verses 26 to 28 quotes the 16th Psalm and you can read it for yourself for verification okay so listen to the language again very very important so once again we got this interplay going on between the sovereignty of God God planning the the death of Christ before the foundation of the world but he allowed or used the machinations the evil intent of man to take Jesus and put him to death. So here we go again. Man's intent on putting Jesus to death was for evil, but God's intent on sending Christ to the earth to die for sin was for good. Why? Because we know that as a result of his death, salvation has been made, made available to all men when they believe they are saved. So God's intent was for the salvation of man, but evil man's intent was for the destruction of the son of God. They wanted him gone. They wanted him destroyed. They wanted no more memory of him because they figured he was an insurrectionist, a rebel rouser, a blasphemer, a drunk, a demon possessed lunatic. They had all types of um, evil intentions and 
And they were saying things, of course, about him that simply were not true. And so, yet again, there's that parallelism going on with God's sovereignty and man's sovereignty, if you would. So, man is responsible for the death of Christ because of the evil intentions of their heart. God gets glory for sending Christ to the cross because he had to do it in order to save us. And because he so loved us, as John chapter 3, verse 16 declares, someone has to die for sin. Sin always is going to bring about death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So no one else was qualified to die for sin. It has to it had to be someone who was spotless and sinless themselves. And since none of us are spotless and sinless, we can't die for our own sins. That would not be acceptable to God. God was not going to accept a sinner to die for sin. It has to be someone who is sinless to die for sin. And the only one that was qualified to do that, praise God, was the God man himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So hopefully this short episode gives you maybe at least a teaser as to the interplay and or parallelism between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. So someone cannot say, hey, God fulfilled his plan through what I did, even though it was wrong. How can I be punished for it? I mean, I was just doing God's will. That's a person that is simply not being sincere and not being honest about their wickedness. All right. So God bless you. This is Brother Dale once again of Gospel Repentance Ministries podcast. I'll talk to you soon.